Welcome to the Pessol, reviewing and breaking down movies to look for insights into the movie making process. Hosted by Bill O'Reilly. I can't do it. We'll do it live. We'll do it live. Now let's dim the lights and start the show. Welcome everybody to the Pessol. Today's show is brought to you by the Never Dry, the oldest bar on Sixth Street you've never heard of. Drop by the Never Dry. Welcome everyone to the Pessol. I am Wes. And I am Todd. And we're filmmakers, writing, acting, all the stuff behind in front of the camera in post. We pretty much do a little bit of everything, which is the way it goes whenever you're uh, not working on multi-million dollar films. It's the gift to me. I don't really look at it as a curse. I like being able to have my hands in the entire process. It's very, very difficult for me to relinquish um, creative control at any phase, um, writing, like I'm, I'm co-writing a, a, a script right now and really it's going to be co-storying <laughs> because I will do all the actual writing. Like it, I, I don't do well reading other people's work and translating it in a way that feels organic to me creating something. And so we'll sit and we'll, we'll talk out all the ideas. I'll write um, I'm sure he'll come back and judge everything and say, this is shit. Do it again. And just throw it off the table. And I'll be like, yo, yo, Sounds yes, like sir. a fun job. I, I just meant I was, I was just starting the second wax, Mr. McFly. Um, <laughs> and, and, and same thing in post. Like I, I really struggle. I feel like every time almost there's been very, very few times, but maybe like once or twice where I hand over my footage to someone else and they do what I think they should do with it. Um, I think you're the only person who's ever edited my footage that I was like, yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> uh, literally every other time I'm like, oh God, why'd they do that? <laughs> it's so <laughs> disheartening to see my footage get butchered uh, because I shoot with a very specific idea in mind. And, um, and often whenever I'm shooting for someone else, I don't know what they're going to do with it. And so I tend to go a little more broad in general just so that they have options Whereas when I'm shooting with my own edit in mind, I know exactly how it's going to work. I'm going to use this two seconds out of this eight second clip and it's going to sit here um, in the flow of this edit. It's just much, much better product for me. And so even just handing over creative control over something I have edited, like I've, I've had other people do like sound uh, mixing for me. And that's always super dicey. I don't know that it's ever been done perfectly to my taste. Um, I've had some really good sound edits where I'm like, oh, that was really good. But I don't think I've had anything mixed or edited by someone else where I'm like, oh, man, that's not just way better, but the ideas are, are executed to perfect. There's always been something where I'm just like, eh, yeah, um, but it's all it's a trade off. It's usually... Like they made it sound so much better, even if some of the ideas got, you know, rearranged. Uh, and for me, that's the good trade off of like, oh, yeah, I'm so much happier with what they did, even though it, some of the ideas got lost in the, in the transfer. That's a part of the creative process, too, of letting other people play in your sandbox. And I don't know. I think we take all of the, all, all that experience and use that to analyze films and see, what did they do? Why did they do it? How does it translate? What's the impact on me? Um, how does it feel as a film? Like there's so many ways to to slice up a film 
And I think we bring a lot of our own personal experience and knowledge into uh, the mix when we're doing that. I don't know what, what any response to all of that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I know that it's, it's really hard to relinquish, you know, any kind of creative, whatever you'd want to call control, I guess for you. And it, and that's, that, that's hard because, you know, especially if you take an idea from inception to writing, to creation, to editing, right? Like these are massive stages, right? And at any point, if you hand something off to somebody else, you're entrusting them with your vision. And at any, at any point, that vision can be bastardized or it can just be tainted in a way. Um, that's what makes that, that that's what blows my mind about big films in general is how do you get the hundreds of people who you have? I mean, there's no way that Danny Boyle can manage every single thing that happens in his film. It's just not possible. He has to delegate. It is, it's not like, you know, a, a, you know, like a short or a, an indie film where you can handhold it all the way through. So, so it's always amazing to me, keeping them, keeping people that you work with on the same page at all times so that the finished product of what they do aligns 100%, you know, with your vision. And also what if it, what if it doesn't, but it's 95%, you know, like at what point do you say, okay, you know what, that's, that is practically perfect in my mind but it's not perfect but it's practically perfect and are at you know is it 99 percent? does it have to be 100 percent? can it be 98 you know like what is the the point because it's rarely i would assume ever 100 percent. sometimes that might be a good thing but it's it's hard to i mean you know like right now i'm trying to find mixers for my album and i'm so i'm like you know like nobody nobody's going to care about this record but i am and so i uh, like it, it's very hard for me because I know how to mix, but it's I'm not the best at it, but I know what I want. And so when I'm giving stems to people, I'm saying I'm thinking, OK, what are you going to send me back? Is it going to is it going to align with what I have in my head? I've told you what I want. I've written it down. I've like, And then hopefully what I get back is better than what I could have done. Like, that's the goal. Right. But rarely do you find those people, you know, that rarely. And to your point, like it's impossible as you said you know Danny Boyle can't have everything you know his hands in everything and, and be able to oversee yeah. every single detail and yet it's such a skill to be able to walk on set each day look through the lens or look on set and say oh this is out of place this is wrong because you have to catch it there you won't be able to catch it later in post probably or you'll be editing around whatever it is mm-hmm. but the the skill set to be able to walk onto a set and see someone else's work that they brought and say, oh, this is amazing. This adds or, oh, oh uh, this this is wrong. Um, maybe it's just an emotional reaction or maybe sometimes it's just I I don't want this in because of X, Y, Z reasons like this color is wrong. Right. Uh, if you remember our pre-production meetings or maybe this person missed that meeting and you're like, oh, we're not using red in this scene because red is going to be saved for later in the film or whatever. Like uh, there's all these and he has to be sharp as a tack. It's such a skill set to be able to do that and also do it in a way that uh, you're not just alienating your your crew because that can happen too. If you come in too heavy handed and suddenly 
whatever, man. Okay. I, you know what? I'll punch the clock from here on out because you're going to be an ass. <laughs> like, I don't want to, yeah. I don't want to put my, my creative uh, intent on display if it's just going to get kicked around. So it's a, it's a very delicate hand and you have to be very, very sharp um, with people um, and precise and also, you know, make sure that you're open to other interpretations and ideas, man. It's fun. It's all fun. Um, yeah. I, I hope I eventually get to experience walking onto a $5 million set and, and having people elevate all my ideas to something that's way better because that's where the good shit is. Yeah. Pretty much every time. That, that, yeah. that comes with a level of professionalism, but also a level of like awareness of your role and of what's trying to be communicated to you because there's there also probably not a way for you to communicate exactly what you want in the exact way for that everyone is going to receive it you know and be able to execute 100% like you have to speak to me differently than you have to speak to Scott or that you have to speak to somebody else uh, that comes on and so they have to know their craft but also they have to be able to decipher what you're saying and know you personally to know what you mean by x or y because like we're mm. human you know they it's very hard to get what's in your head out uh verbally or you know in even written um that's why amazing writing is amazing to us still because that's a very hard thing to do to communicate perfectly to some to a wide variety of individuals so uh yeah it yeah it's hard it's hard i hope that for you I hope that for you more than anything. Yeah. (laughs) Well said. So what are we going to be looking at today, man? Yeah. So today we are covering Danny Boyle's Slumdog Millionaire. So if you haven't seen this film, please go pause this episode and watch it. We're going to spoil a bunch of stuff. I believe it is streaming on HBO Max at the moment. Nice. Yeah. We'll look at a whole bunch of stuff, probably mostly in brief, Uh, but we'll touch on some of the cinematography and directing story and writing exposition the Dickensian aspect. We'll also talk about gift and curse of winning an Oscar, as well as have a special guest weigh in from India. Uh, one of your coworkers is a big uh, film buff and uh, he has strong opinions, which I can only assume are good about a movie <laughs> that takes place in your country by British people. Um, Cause there's a whole good history of, you know, Brit Brits and, and Indians. I'm pretty sure uh called slumdog so yeah nothing but good vibes coming there i'm sure and other such stuff and things and stuff irony of yeah course. i know right that's perfect at least you know what to expect i'm sure yeah uh you know he's a good dude all right so a quick synopsis of the film a mumbai teenager reflects on his life after being accused of cheating on the game show who wants to be a millionaire it's directed by danny boyle screenplay by simon bofoy based on the novel by Vikas swarup uh, it's cinematography by anthony dodd mantle featuring Dev Patel as Jamal Malik, Irfan Khan as police inspector, Freda Pinto as Latika, uh, Madur Mittal as Salim Malik, and Anil Kapoor as Prem, the game show host. Hello, Jamal. I'm guessing that isn't your brother. (laughs) This is? My name is Latika. Okay, Latika. You want to hear the question one more time? And let's be clear about this. 20 million rupees, why don't you answer? You have 30 seconds. Latika! Jamal, please read out Salim! the question. Latika, now. Is that really you? Yes. 
The question, Jamal, the question. In Alexander Dumas' book, The Three Musketeers, two of the musketeers are called Athos and Porthos. What was the name of the third musketeer? Was it A, Aramis, B, Cardinal Richelieu, C, D'Artagnan, D, Blanchet? Fifteen seconds. Where are you? I'm safe. Ten seconds. Uh, Latika, what do you think? I don't know. I've never known. Jamal, Kudaru Marika. All right, man. So, Slumdog Millionaire, um, what do you think? Uh, well, I, I mean, I think the acting is phenomenal. Uh, let's just start with that. That just watching, watching Dev Patel work is pretty amazing to me. I like, you know, the op- from the opening shot, he had me like, oh, I believe this guy. He's just so good to me. I just, you know, his... I don't know. His ability to do very little and communicate a lot is pretty incredible to me. Um, and, and I think he he does that in spades in this film. And I don't know, maybe there's maybe that's the ticket to an Oscar. I don't know. It's just to do nothing. <laughs> you know, your reaction is nothing. Um, so. So anyway, Dev Patel. Yes. But also the the kids, uh, you know, it's what is the famous saying in, in Hollywood? It's like the the hardest it's 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 hardest to work with children and and animals uh you know half of this movie is with kids and um uh, a lot of them i mean and so i i loved i loved watching the kids uh in this and 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 their reactions to things and um and i thought that they did an excellent job um i thought that the directing was fantastic i liked the pacing you know it's a it's a it's a flashback movie, you know. The whole thing is flashback, essentially, mm-hmm. you know. But uh, it, I feel like it does a, a a good job of coming back to present day when we feel like it's a little bit stagnant, you know, in the in the past. Not that it's stagnant, but we feel like okay, what's going to propel this forward now? You know, they're little kids. How do we get them to grow up? You know, and then they they I feel like the pacing was pretty good there. The the price of things was pretty extreme is very hard to watch i will say i mean poor jamal just mm. you know like that kid uh just had every, you know his butt handed to him his entire life you know from the very beginning i mean one thing i i did like is they establish his his ability to not quit mm. instantly um from the 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 bathroom scene where malik uh, locks him in or Salim, sorry, locks him in the, uh, the bathroom and he's not, he's not going to miss out on his, and, and he, on his, on getting the autograph. And so he jumps into the, into the toilet and then, you know, still gets the autograph, you know, that, that was an incredible way to establish that that guy is never going to quit, you know? Um, so that when he is trying to find Latika, he, he's never going to quit trying to find her. He's never going to get go, quit going after her. And they established that pretty instantly. And they also established Salim as like a the 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 bad guy essentially for mm-hmm. selling his autograph right after that. And you're thinking, why would he do that? You know, like it's it, it just it's just awful. I did love and in, in the end, Salim getting Latika out 
giving her the the cell phone we find out that that's the phone that that jamal is calling and it's it's like the the clip you showed i thought that was beautiful and i forgot about that you know and and the pacing of juxtaposition between um him going through that phone call and then salim you know and his end scene uh, is really really well edited together i feel mm-hmm. like uh, and really well paced and then it's just it's it's like a, a beautiful ending i mean that being said all that being said you know like if it, it looking at it just from the point of view of like a story mm-hmm. in a film i thought it i thought it was a great story of of a kid who never had anything given to him of a kid that was just always in the worst place you know or just just had no nothing good happened in his life finding a way to to still not quit and to still end up good in the end um he 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 never went to the dark side for lack of a better term he never you know uh, got down on himself even though he was sad he never he never like quit and he ended up you know finding Latika getting her yes he won the game show but he didn't even care about the money like it was never about the money it was about letting her see him that that he's he he wants he wanted her to find him so um but but yeah to to the point of okay it's made by you know some english folk in in about a place that they've you know had a hand in for a very long time a negative hand and there was never a there was never a moment of like this is a beautiful country there was never a moment mm. of this is a country of 1.5 billion people and and we are we want to let you know we are just showing you a corner of this and that's okay because that's not what this story was supposed to be you know the story was supposed to be of this kid and if he doesn't get a break we don't get a break you know and i get that yeah. i get that um i do think that that because we are so as westerners and this is a this is geared towards a western audience obviously because they speak english and in, in most of it um except when they're kids um it it i i do think it hurt you know the our vision of what india is you know i think because it was so so successful and and you know won awards and stuff i you know and so that does suck but as a film in general and as a story i thought it was beautiful you know yeah what do you think nice i love it yeah i unashamedly because yeah i don't i definitely agree with what you're saying in terms of you know it's easy to to watch this as a westerner and and gain bad notions about india um i don't feel like this movie is ever pretending to be this grounded thing though and, you know, whenever you have yeah. a kid literally jumping into poo, a pile of poo, which turned a lot of people off, Western audiences included, like I, the number of people I heard just like kind of choke a little bit on that. I'm just talking about that scene. Like it's a comedy bit, like it's, it's being silly. And to your great point, like it's, it's proving his mentality of he does not quit. He's going to get uh, whatever he wants. It's, it's very much a character uh, trait for him. Um, and what better way to demonstrate that than, you know, kind of the, the Shawshank method of, uh, going towards your, your goal. And so, yeah, I never, I never took this as any kind of, I don't know, documentary piece on, on what it's like to be in India. Um, but certainly worth, you know, looking at, I look at it as very much a, 
a rags of riches story, an interesting story about a, a kid on a game show. Uh, and we'll get into this, but just a really clever way of uh, diving into uh, his life story. It's just a very clever film. And yeah, I, I don't know that I ever really considered it Indian. Um, definitely, you know, British, uh, which is fine. Or Western, if you want to, you know, broaden it, because this is certainly aimed at Western audiences, uh, America included, of course. And so, yeah, I don't know. I love it. I have no uh, like qualms about the film. I don't think it needs to be all things to all people. Um, and I certainly would understand, you know, uh, Indians, you know, having an issue with it. Uh, that's, that's fine to me. I don't know. I just look at it the same way as if, you know, someone foreign made a film about America, uh, because all the films that we make that people, you know, watch overseas, it's not a very good representation of America either. And that's stuff that we make, you know, like Marvel films. That's not what America looks like. Right. Uh, war films, all our action films, John wick, like all the stuff that's internationally like huge. It's, it's not America. And so a lot of people in other countries look at America as this hyper violent country where you might get shot walking down the street and, you know, we can, you know, joke about that, uh, but it's, it's not true. Of course, uh, there's no street in America that I'm really that afraid to walk down at any time of day. Uh, now you might also paint me as just a, a weirdo in that sense, but uh, yeah. And so I don't know, I, I always look at film for what it's trying to be versus what it's not trying to be. And I never saw this film as this like real hardcore look at, you know, what it's like to, to grow up poor in this part of the world. Uh, but yeah, I don't know, regardless, and we'll come back to all of that, um, here, here in a minute, I think we're about to be joined by uh, a friend of yours, uh, care to introduce who we'll be talking to. Yeah. So, um, this gentleman I work with Shandashish Roy, he is a, um, uh, developer that we work with at my company and we've talked uh, a lot about, movies and uh you know, he's made recommendations to me and i've re made recommendations to him and and stuff and um so when rrr came out we talked a little bit about it and um and he was surprised that it was you know it like had taken off in the in the states and um and then i asked him about slumdog and he had some opinions and stuff and so i thought you know what let's let's bring somebody on that is lives in the country that uh, is there and has experienced, you know, like this film coming out, you know? Nice. Uh, well, let's see if we can get him on the line. Well, while we're waiting, um, mm -hmm. I will jump through. So you pointed out the acting, like I completely agree about Dev Patel. Uh, that's probably one of the things that rub a lot of Indians is that you have this, you know, poor kid growing up in India with a British accent. Um, and I think that's just kind of funny to me, but I also get exactly why he got cast. Um, because he does physically embody so much empathy. Um, and he communicates so well without saying a word, um, his ideas, his intentions, what he's feeling like it's such a strong performance and my God, the child performances in this, absolutely amazing full of nuance full of character and it all f cuts together it's not like the the they're different from one moment to the next or uh the the flow of the characters switch completely when you jump ages like it's so so good 
that's great directing for sure. And just, you know, phenomenal casting. I want to say they went through just a ton, a ton of casting before they found these kids. Um, and they just absolutely walked on set and destroyed it because he's a very precise filmmaker too. Like it, you know, the, the, the way he shoots is very Danny Boyle. Like we've talked about this on his other films where just Dutch angles galore. Um, and this feels like Dutch angle, the movie, you know, it's just, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, it's just all over the place. And it's fun. Like it's, it's a really great way to heighten a, a, a story like this to keep it heightened. Like, I think if you were to shoot it too normally, it feels too normal. Like all these moments feel that much more unbelievable. And it's almost like he's trying to not use these crazy angles and, and uh, right. Under cranking, you know, the, the big, the choppy sequences for dramatic effect. Uh, it would start to feel like too heartbreaking. You need to break it up through some of these other cinematic techniques to make it feel like this isn't re- reality. This isn't a real life, you know, and, and using all these techniques is a way to elevate it into this completely other uh, unbelievable fashion so that you can emotionally detach a little bit and feel a little safe to watch these kids going through these horrible things um, because of the way it's shot, because of the way it's stylized. Um, And I think there's a little emotional safety that he used through that same thing with, you know, the high contrast, right? Not a lot of details in the, in the highlights or the shadows. Um, They crush the blacks, as you say, and blow out the whites uh, so that you create this very strong uh, image that when you're jumping around through time, you know, there's just a lot of simple you know, finesse that you can do into the image to make sure the audience always feel feels oriented and just a little bit removed uh, from from what's happening on screen. I think it's just a really intelligent way to approach such a uh, a brutal story like this. Yeah, uh, visually, were there any moments that stuck out to you? I, I, the Dutch angles for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, the, and yeah, that you put it a great way. Like I, it it allowed me the permission to watch what was happening. I feel like, you know, cause I felt very icky mm-hmm. watching <laughs> some of the terrible things that, that um, Jamal had to go through and, and that Salim did to him, you know, honestly, it was like just really, really hard. The, you know, the hotel scene being one of the hardest ones. Um, and, and it was just, just brutal. So yeah, it, it, I never, I just didn't, it's one of those things that like, unless you say it, Unless you say though that's that's the reason for that, I'm like, why am I okay with watching this? You know, like this this feels really terrible. But so cinematography wise, just that, and then I never really saw the cinematography. I didn't mm. I didn't feel it. You know, yeah. it was just it just happened. So I guess that's a a nod, right? Absolutely, because it's a very fast film. Like they're they're cutting super super quickly, so you never really hang out. Oh, and now we are joined by uh, your friend. Yeah. Shonda Sheets, thank you so much for joining us, my friend. Um, we have, uh, this is my, this is my friend Wes and co-operator on our podcast. And Wes, this is Shonda Sheesh. He's a, a de- lead developer on my team. Uh, I work with him every day. Wonderful, wonderful person. And we're so honored to have you on the podcast, my friend. Uh, welcome. Thank you. Could you uh, could you maybe just start and uh, tell everybody, you know, who you are, you know, what what drew you to films in general, what you like about films? Yeah. So uh, 
I love to watch movies from a long time actually. So when I completed my schooling from that time onwards, before that I used to not watch too much movies. Even I was not into music. I used to not like music, like specifically Bollywood songs. So I used to never like it. Yeah, I was. I not I was I I still am a fan of you know uh, few people like basically rock bands uh, maybe from uh, some are from US some are from my my mother tongue that is Bengali so they are from I used to love only rock bands from US models from my mother tongue later onwards when I start completed my schooling I like the interest grew on watching movies and most of it was in the beginning. movies from hollywood because the sci-fi movies and yeah marvel movies i'm a, i'm a, like a huge fan of marvel movies i never miss <laughs> a marvel movie yeah from the time onwards i started earning i watched all the movies in theaters and just 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 in just for an idea for the avengers end game me and my friends actually we paid 4x of the ticket price that was that was in the in the market yeah that is all that is only for a for a theater a multiplex and it was huge if i give one comparison it was 20% of our salary at that time but we paid it and we watched it yes <laughs> we wow. paid it and we watched it and we screamed like anything yes i'm i'm a <laughs> yeah uh, and and here here in india there is a culture i think i think you have seen in rrr all these all these all these videos from india like people are screaming in theaters so just to give you an idea about about movies in india and specifically toward as you have watched rrr so all these actors are from if i say specifically from south india so they actually are treated as god so for example you are an you are a hero you are your movie is coming so the day your movie will launch or the the, the day your movie will release people will put like 60 foot 70 foot placards in front of every theaters the fan clubs they will put milk they will put garlands and everything so and the first show starts at 4 am in the morning okay so 4 am in the morning and it's like houseful so in india it's a huge wow. thing i i never in, i was not into these things but yeah now from yeah like for few years back i i am into these things and yeah i will i will really i will say the hollywood movies like sci-fi movies murder thriller this kind of movies actually made me interested in these things but now i shifted to kind of realistic movies <laughs> so yeah that's that's all about me wow nice. that's that's amazing so so west when your films come out they we need to release in in india yeah 4 am maybe <laughs> <laughs> okay he'll help us fantastic well west really runs the show uh here on the podcast however you know we've we've covered a little bit about you know what we our opinions of of slum dog and and the good and the and the tough and and things like that but um really we wanted to get the insight of uh people from india you specifically but what india in general felt about slum dog millionaire when it came out how they might you know if it if it's changed since then and and kind of the views on that you know just to give you a little uh insight so one of the thing you know what we saw when we were uh talking about the film we saw very good acting we saw very good directing um an interesting story you know that's encapsulated with you know this these brothers that um um have a very tough life uh but you know 
I, we are aware that it, it can seem one-sided, but wanted to get your thought on, uh, on this since it's, you know, it's told from the point of view of your country. So, uh, yeah. What, what do you think? Uh, I can speak for the whole country. Right. <laughs> of course not. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. I kind of painted you in a corner. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. You can yeah. speak for Chandra. He's she's though. <laughs> yeah. For you. <laughs> no, I can speak my mind. So yeah. yeah, the thing, yeah. What you, whatever you just said, like the direction, the acting, the story, everything was really good. Everything was high standard and it was, it was really appreciated and people, like, you know, basically, nowadays, a lot of actors from India are getting featured in Hollywood movies. Uh, I think Priyanka Chopra, I think you you heard about her. So she already, mm-hmm. like literally settled in the US. Yeah. So yeah, so there are people who are currently joining Hollywood. But at that time when Slamdog Millionaire released, the main hype was because of Anil Kapoor, the actor who played the uh, show host. So he was basically, he, he still is, a hero he he was a hero in his time he used to give golden jubilee movies like like whenever the movie used to release in his time the movie used to run for 50 days 100 days continuously like that so those are the standards for bollywood movies right if you are a good actor or not so he he he, he still gets that respect nowadays the respect that he got from Slumdog millionaire and the people from india was more interested about him like getting featured in a hollywood movie like looking at Anil Kapoor speaking English and all these things like, yeah, he is in these big movies and everything. Other than that, most of the other actors from this movie was unknown to the Indians, like the basic Indians, even for me. I didn't knew about all these actors. Mm-hmm. But I will. I have just only have one comment that I had from the beginning. It's regarding the screenplay. And I told you uh, before also like this. So the thing is that if you watch like you have, I think I told you that if you watch White Tiger, that is also a similar kind of story. But the thing is that the screenplay was written in a way where the wrongdoings or the wrong scenarios or the slums or this this kind of poverty was not shown in a wrong line. Whereas for Slumdog Millionaire, what I felt is like the movie was not justifying the justifying the whole country or as a whole culture. It's the the area that was shown in the movie, the Haravi, is basically just a part of Mumbai. And how it was shown in the, or how it was portrayed in the movie, everybody's kind of struggling, everybody's kind of thief or that kind of scenario. But in reality, there are a lot of good dancers, there are a lot of good rappers who are coming out, who are famous right now, who used to be famous, who are famous right now from the same place. Mm-hmm. But it was not even showed, there was no no one from that movie was shown that, yeah, they reached some heights or there are some good people and kind of things. That's the only complaint that I have. And I think most of the most of, most of my friends or the people I have spoken with have this same comment that everything is good. Acting, direction, story, the reality. Yeah, the reality was really true. There was nothing wrong about it. There was nothing overdoing it. But yeah, mm-hmm. only the, the way it was shown is like everything is negative, everything is wrong, or whatever is happening in that specific area is wrong. So yeah, that's that's one thing. That's interesting. Does it change because this movie came out in two thousand eight, mm-hmm. which means that moment or that early that opening sequence that you're talking about in the film um, would have been like 
late eighties, early nineties. Um, do you feel like everything has changed, you know, in that era that we're talking about, or does that still pretty much hold the same, um, in your opinion? Like, yeah, it's still way overblown out. Um, for instance, like, uh, you know, in certain parts of whatever, Texas, uh, my, my hometown growing up, my, my school wasn't that bad, but <laughs> within the last several years, it's now literally second to last in Texas as one of the worst schools ever. Like that's not really the school I went to, um, even though it's that bad now. I mean, it's not completely divorced either, right? There's, there's got to be some <laughs> commonality between the two. Uh, so I'm just wondering whenever you're thinking about the timeline that the film is presenting, like because that's not that particular you know district circa 2008. It would be that district circa whatever 1988, let's say. You know, uh, the positive thing that came out of this movie in India is the place that I've th that that the movie was talking about, Dharavi. Mm -hmm. It actually got a lot of limelight. In the beginning, it it got all kinds of limelight because of all the wrongdoings. So in the news, all the wrong news was coming out, and it it became breaking news. This happened. This wrong thing happened. This this wrong thing happened. But actually, because of the light of that limelight, what happened is a lot of directors, a lot of small directors or kind of things, they also wanted to cash up on that, that scenario. They also wanted to make this kind of movies, showing the poverty, showing the bad scenarios, showing the gang things and all these things and make make money of their own or make fame of their own because if it doesn't go to Hollywood or even if it doesn't go to Oscars, if it goes to a regional level also, they will become famous. But because of that, what happened is, just what I said, is like a lot of creative people actually came out of that area. And now if you compare to 2008, to even 2018, like in last last 10, 15 years, I would say in every reality show, like whether it, whether it's a dance reality show, whether it's a singing reality show or something in India, at least one or two people actually represents Dharavi and Dharavi actually became a brand or that area actually became a brand. So whatever you want to do, like rapping, that, that kind of hip hop culture or that kind of, you know, underground dancing thing, all those things came, came out of Dharavi and people become like more inspired, okay, we will do this kind of things. And even last year also, one, one movie came, I think uh, the the biggest star of from India is Amitabh Bachchan. So he actually made one movie regarding that same that same place where a football team was made out of. So all these, all these, all these street boys, all these thugs or all these, you know, uh, poor uh, guys or poor children, they actually made up a team, a football team which actually made a good results or became famous. So still it is a cash cow kind of thing. So Slumdog Millionaire yeah, actually helped a lot of people in in a positive way. Mm -hmm. Wow. Okay. Th that's interesting. And then, so that, but that's from when it came out until now, but what was it like back in the eighties, you know, or early nineties, you know, was it, was it better? Was it worse? Was it um, kind of on par with, the way that the film depicts it? No, the way the film depicts it is actually correct way. Like there, nothing was overdone or something like that. Mm, yeah. Even like, when you're talking about 80s or 90s, forget about 90s. Even if you go at 70s or 80s, the Mumbai was the biggest underground, like underworld kind of scenario was present over there. Mm. So for like 10, 15 years, like the police tried a lot to finish all those things and uh, the biggest dawn or kind of thing or godfather kind of person was was present at that time 
and all those bombings or all those things happened in 92 93 in mumbai so mm. there was a huge influence even on bollywood like people from underworld used to sponsor movies in bollywood like by paying money even there are there were few actors who who actually still are pending court cases who actually took money from dons or underworld people yeah and actually there is one one person if you search him you will find him in google is sanjay dat he is still in court case he is still in pending so actually he also served few years so he was actually part of the mumbai bombing that happened in 92 so wow. he actually wow. kept all the guns in his place so he was actually accused of that and it was proven so he actually served but later what happened is when he was released one of his friend kind of director made one movie on him on his life to make him a good person try to make him a good person so that he can become a good person in the audiences i and again he can become a hero but in 80s and 90s mumbai was the worst city, worst city it can happen that like, like it, it it still is but not in that way because police gotcha. action was taken a lot and yeah it was something kind of like the, like the godfather kind of scenario so you people used to get shot at and people like police used to shoot out people and yeah there was there was some few polices was there who actually encountered like 100 110 120 even last year one netflix series got released based upon these polices like who had this most number of encounters so it was correct in the movie depicted <laughs> nothing wrong in it wow so if slum dog you know millionaire isn't a great entrance for you know actual indian cinema what would you recommend people go to as a if someone is like likes dramatic films right um what what are the whatever one or two films that you like white tiger or something else um that you think yo if you if you really want to get into indian cinema dramatic uh kind of stuff uh here's a couple of good films that might warm you up to um actual indian films <laughs> actually if i give you a number there is only from bollywood so bollywood is basically the movies that is produced from mumbai which are basically on like based upon hindi language but in every region of india there is a different film industry so from like my mother tongue bengali so there is one movie industry called tollywood in south india there is telugu tamil kannada malayalam so there are all different industries but if i talk about only bollywood it produces more movies than hollywood each and every year the number would be something around 1600 to 2000 each and every year yes and the industry is huge if you reach mumbai the whole mumbai city is based upon only two things mumbai is a metro city which was because of it's it's a, it's a financial hub for the whole country afterwards all all because of this 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 things like this don and this godfather people there was so much money was flowing around so mumbai became the best scenario for producing movies because you you would be easily getting money from these people to produce movies so bollywood become the biggest but speaking about only few movies would be really tough for me but yeah i think rrr is a really good movie to get into indian films but there is a lot of movies i would recommend not movies but i would recommend somebody who is i actually because a, a very fan of he is also from us his name is jabi koy so he has his own youtube channel but he is basically running only 
like he's only doing movie from india all kind of movies like hindi tamil tamil telugu and all these things he started when he started uh, when i actually started following him his followers was something around 10000 today he is reaching something around 2 million and he actually does a really good job of promoting hindi movies or promoting indian movies yeah uh, if you ask me specifically i told thoughts so something about pk so it's a movie that is based upon religion all kind of religion and it's acted by one of the best actor from india uh, called amir khan so it it's was pk pk yeah pk okay. yeah so it 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 become a huge hit in india and it's it's a really good movie it's about religion it's not something about somebody who will understand only being an indian anybody can understand it it's because based upon religion how the religion is forced upon into people's mind by showing fear and only that kind of thing but so, yeah, india, yeah please tell me. so so really quickly just to just to bring it back really quickly to slum dog what would you say that so what i'm getting is that is that it it just showed one side without any kind of any kind of um to you without any kind of uh uh, uh showing that there is the hint of something else essentially so that it's just negative there is no hint to anything positive like that's what i kind of am getting at mm. what would you say is different in a film like and i you know we try to talk about well, just one film in these episodes but just because we need kind of a reference and what would you say <clears throat> white tiger does the white tiger does better um in regards to painting india in a balanced light than slum dog does so if you look at white tiger like in a screen by screen kind of scenario it it basically is kind of a same story of a, a guy who is like struggling who is poor his father used to be a driver for a rich people his father died and he like got assigned to this job and he he was told that he is he is a servant he will always be a servant his his next generations will become a servant so he he should not speak aloud against his masters and kind of thing but somehow he managed to reach into that position where he started his own taxi aggregator kind of business the thing that it this movie did good about it is it made a balanced screenplay like there is an opportunity to become good while this person was treated or this person was told that you always will become a servant there are other people who is treating him in a good way that you are not my servant or you should not think that you should not get education or you should not teach your uh, like next generation going to school and things you should do good about it you should try to be better and there are other people who are saying no you should become a slave you should stay slave always so there is this balanced screenplay like there is not all there is not like it's not that everybody is wrong everybody is bad in anywhere there are some good people there are some bad people if you only show that there are bad people it's mm-hmm. not justified it's not justify the real scenario even in <laughs> even in like red light areas or even in the prostitution business also there are some good people who are actually helping those girls or those people to survive or to like you know go forward in their life it's not that always this business is going wrong about it or there are only people who are behaving in a wrong way so white tiger is kind of a balanced screenplay compared to stump dog million that's what i think okay mm. interesting nice. um do you have any other questions wes yeah last question man um overall what's your favorite movie oh good one 
Uh, okay, all over, like as in a yeah. movie. Number one, give me the number one. <laughs> uh, I never actually thought about it, but yeah, I would say Shawshank Redemption. Oh, oh, well done. Look well at done. you. Well yeah. done. Well done. <laughs> I'm going to give you the golf clap. There you go. If you ask, maybe 50% of the people will say this, the, the, the same answer. But yeah, it was something that, that actually kept you thinking. Like what, what just happened? Yeah. yeah. Love it. <laughs> Love it. Love it. Well, Sean Ashish, yep. we won't take up any more of your time. I think this is perfect timing. Thank you so much for your insight. We really appreciate it. Hopefully uh, it's not too late there. I know it's like, oh, it's, yeah. it's probably only 930. Yep, I, I work with you later than that. Okay, <laughs> cool. Um, we will let you go, but thank you so much for your insight there. It's, it's really helped us. We didn't want to cover a movie this polarizing without ha- hearing from someone who's, a, who's, you know, who lives from the, in the country. Mm-hmm. So thank you very much. We really appreciate your time. Yep. Thanks, yes, thank you. Thank you for inviting me and let me speak. <laughs> Pleasure. My mind. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Have a good yep. night, my friend. Yep. Sure. Thank you, Wes. It was nice meeting you. Nice See meeting you. you, bro. Have a good one. Bye. Nice. Great to hear from him. Really good dude. Yeah. Uh, interesting. I mean, I honestly, I expected way worse than that. So. I honestly did too. I was ready. I was ready to get it uh, torn yeah. apart. But, but yeah. I think he. I think he agrees, and that just like kind of puts the the nail into what we think too. Of of the acting mm. is great. Actually, the writing is really good, and the 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 film is well directed. It's like really good. It's it's just that you know if you only show if you're just beating over the head with, with that, this kid has gone through nothing good, then it, it, it can, especially, you know, it's take, it does, it can take a whole people for from Westerners who have no idea about India at all. And who honestly don't have a lot of idea about cinema. You know, let's, let's be clear. Like you and I Mm -hmm. can look at this and we can look at it from the point of view of, of, yeah, but you know, the story is really about this kid and, and there have been people I'm sure on the planet that have never gone through anything good. Right. And, you know, we can sit there, but a lot of people saw this movie and that are not like that. They're just seeing it for what it is. And they're like, I'm never going to India. Jeez. It's the whole, the whole country is like that. But yeah, he, he didn't, he wasn't like that. He said, no, like actually it's a good movie. I just wish that, that, you know, it showed like some good part <laughs> of my country. Yeah. yeah. Which is obviously fair, like everything you're saying, I think is spot on. Um, but and at the same time, and I'm so glad that he said that he he wasn't going to speak for all of India. Like yeah. he can only speak for you know himself, and he did um, because I'm sure there's a whole as every gamut. Like I'm I'm such a big fan of individualism. Um, I'm sure there's a ton of Indians who are like, man, f that movie. <laughs> like, I, <laughs> yeah. yeah, you know. And then there's probably a lot of. And then there's probably the other side where you have Indians who appreciate that Hollywood did a, a you know, a, a treatment of a film in India and it brought maybe some people to Indian actors. I mean, like, he oh. pointed that out. He pointed that out yeah. about how it helped out the slums, actually, eventually, which is really wild. I mean, that's the, the power of cinema and stories as well as you shine light on some aspect of society. And this applies, you know, internationally and suddenly, you know what can we do? You know, you have people, uh, the awareness is there. You can raise money. Um, and you know, change is a lot easier to escort in when it's top of mind. Um, and so, yeah, uh, really even handed, you know, uh, uh, accounting. So big, big props there. 
Yeah. So my only other comments, um, I have two. Uh, first, I'll look at some of the story and writing, um, which is very Dickensian. And that's kind of the the slang for Charles Dickens, right? And this story feels like it would fit right in line with Oliver Twist and Great Expectations and David Copperfield. It feels like a Dickens film just happens to be in India. Um, and maybe that's part of the the adaptation. I don't know. I haven't read the novel. Ah, I forgot to ask if he'd ever read that novel uh, because it's actually written by an Indian guy. This, this isn't, you know, fancied up by some Brit, you know, with his tea and, and crumpets. Like this is actually a, uh, has roots in a novel written by an actual Indian diplomat um, who wrote the story, became a smash hit. Apparently it got adapted to the BBC, like a radio show, uh, as well as, of course, the, the movie. And so I don't know how much it was distorted. It's always tricky adapting a novel and you're you're serving two different masters. Um, the, the book needs to serve its own purpose and uh, making something work on screen. You start to change a lot you know, of dynamics. Maybe this is perfectly representative or maybe it's completely different because it was adapted by a Brit and directed by a Brit. And so you start to adapt it based on your audience that you have in mind, which of course uh, is Western audiences, as we've said, you know, I think once at least on the show. <laughs> um, yeah. And so, but it's still in, in Dickens being, I'm pretty sure he was a British writer. Uh, but to be honest, not entirely sure. <laughs> um, I've never, I've got like great expectations on my list. I got a bunch of Dickens. I might get to some of that this year, but yeah, still because, you know, it has all these universal themes. Um, it flows, I, I think internationally, right. Themes of rags to riches, right? That's a pretty universal story um, of someone in poverty trying to rise above their station in life and, and themes of betrayal, right? He's his brother, you know, and his best friend, you know, or just stab him in the back time and time again, right? And because this is your guy, you don't really give up on him either. You never get the sense that, uh, yes, Jamal is absolutely fed up with his brother, but it's still his brother. You know, you never get the sense that he's ready to just kill his brother, uh, despite his brother pointing a gun in his face, for instance. <laughs> and so like a lot of heavy uh, themes of betrayal. Um, same thing with Celine betraying, right? His boss, as well as hopeless romanticism, right? Um, that's a pretty universal, like this, this idea of an unrequited love or uh, just pursuing your, your goals and uh, your passions were, you know, without regard to, to self and as well as hope, right? Uh, you have hopeless romanticism as well as just uh, unbridled hope and optimism. Um, that all plays part and parcel uh, into so many themes of so many stories. And it, it just fills you with so much hope. And that's what really gives us this movie redemption is, is it's unabashed hope despite XYZ, despite, you know, uh, having his mom killed, you know, um, in front of him, right? And despite, you know, go, becoming an orphan, despite, you know, X, it just is, is nonstop. Um, and it's that level of hope that keeps us engaged with the film. Um, and it's also what I think is so useful about the way this movie is exposited. Because let's start with the opening. It's a very strong opening, right? Of, uh, a contrast of Jamal being tied up and interrogated. Right. And then intercutting that with him being on a game show. You're just like, what is going on? It grabs your attention right away. And the game show is just a brilliant use of plot and exposition. What a great device 
to to give us a, a an avenue seamlessly to understand backstory. And like you said, this whole movie is nothing but backstory. It's all flashback. And it's so beautiful because you could have told this linearly, right? It could have ended with the game show at the end and you, you understand, oh, he's got the answer to that. Oh, he's got the answer to that. Of course, of course. You know, you could have done that. But intercutting it with the future gives you hope, gives you a sense of destination. Um, because if you had started at the beginning, oh my God, you know, we would have poured chemicals into our own eyes. <laughs> like we would have said, you know what? I'm escaping right now. But starting at the end gives you a very strong sense of, okay, we're going to get through this. And that's such a beautiful way to to keep the audience tuned in to something uh, good happening at the end of this thing. Um, and it's also a really great way to intercut the show allows for faster, you know, cutting literally, you know, just jump, 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 jump so that you never hang on too uh, long to any specific moment as well as to, to fast storytelling itself. Right. Um, and so it's just a much more dynamic story, uh, a great way to jump in time also like switch actors. Right. And if we intercut with a long moment of him in real time, then when we go back and we've jumped, whatever, 10 years, it doesn't feel as jarring because, you know, we've had this lag in time within the edit of being in present time Jamal before we go back and see a new Jamal. Um, and so it's just a really great device in so many ways um, that I, it's one of those, like you, as a writer, you see this happen and you're like, just kicking yourself. You're like, Oh, why did I never have this idea? Mm -hmm. It's one of those one in a million ideas that you just kick yourself over. Uh, it's, it's amazing. Absolutely amazing. Um, because it also takes advantage of, you know, this pop culture phenomenon of who wants to be a millionaire. When this thing came out, it was huge everywhere. Like I never would have guessed it was huge in India, but it was huge in America. Even I watched it. Like I, maybe not like every episode, but I watched a lot. I watched more than two or three and it's, it takes advantage of all the things that you love in life of, uh, you know, overnight millionaire success, quizzes, pop culture references, um, great dramatic music, uh, uh, a lovable host, like all those things. And just to, you know, rearrange it and, and use it into a, a story of this magnitude that literally plays on those same themes of what do you know? And why do you know it? Mm -hmm. Um, as well as, you know, uh, overnight success like it's just perfect um venn diagramming of like 20 things <laughs> yeah and and then but also to your point about like showing why he knows it having all these negative things that have happened in his life be the reason why he knows these answers right because we we talk all the time about and i'm 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 guilty of this about you know like like <laughs> you know, why God do you let bad things happen? You know, mm. and we really do not know. We really do not know, you know, why bad things happen to people, especially good people like Jamal, you know, like we just, and, and, and but to have clarity, to give the audience clarity of like, of this kid has had the worst life and the worst things happen to him. And because of that, he gets, he, he, he not only wins this, this game show, but he connects again with his, the love of his life, you know, like what would have happened if those bad things wouldn't have happened? I mean, probably still would have been happy, but, um, right. you know what I mean? Like it's a terrible way to get there, but he got there. And I think that, that it was, it's just a beautiful reasoning 
to go through something terrible in order to end up, you know, something wonderful at the end. That's such a good point. Like, for one, stuff sticks in our memory with negative connotations so much easier. But it also, I think, man, that's such a good point that the idea that hoping bad things happen for a reason and this kind of giving you the reason for that, that's a pretty cool, like idea and it's it's not exactly top layer but it's it's in there um, and it's such a really good like philosophical approach to to telling this kind of story i love that there's a couple of moments in here that i really love one of them is this really great heartbreaking moment um whenever he finally finds her right jamal finds latika and he's telling her like run away with me you know i love you and she says so what wow this guy just spent the entire movie looking for this girl through hell and high water right uh he changed cities he's he's basically going like door to door (laughs) through mumbai like do you know this girl uh and you know to finally find her and her answer is so what um and you in the moment it's heartbreaking but you also understand like she's she's faced with okay i can run run away and maybe get caught and maybe pay a a big price Um, but then what do we have to live on there's this kind of practical aspect of just living and it's such a good punch in the stomach that i think pays off so well because within the like the next scene minutes later she's showing up anyway i love that she shows up to the train station because she really does love him that's a really (laughs) if you don't have that moment and you just wait until he wins 20 million. That's rupees. a great point. Yes. <laughs> oh, you hate her. Yeah. Like suddenly she is not someone that you want him to be with. You're like, you're too good for her. You know, kick her to the curb. No, you need this moment where she shows up for this broke guy and just for love. Oh, that's a, that's a great point. I didn't, I didn't even think of that. And that's the, that's, that's probably, I don't know if that was in the screenplay. I'm just going to suit. I'm going to assume that it wasn't and that this was the brilliance of Danny Boyle because I think that he's an amazing director. Um, But to have that as an established, you know, for her to say to be a realist because she's lived in this terrible world her whole life and say, so what? So you love me. What else? You know, I don't like I didn't view that as as just monetary, but I can see how people could. Right. Because she does say, what would we live Mm on? Um I because I, you, you can tell like she does want to go with him and she would if she could, but she feels like, you know, like she can't get away. But to then go that extra mile and have her actually show up be like he's at the train station. We know he's going to be because we trust that he's going to do everything. You know, we, we, we know who he is. We don't know who she is necessarily yet. Right. We don't know that that she will also do everything she can to be with him. And so to see her show up to like get out of that house to show up at the train station and for her to be screaming his name as they drag her away, like, you know, and fighting, not, not acting like, like, Oh, Oh yeah. And, you know, she's yelling his name. It, it was necessary a hundred percent. Now we know she wants to get away. She will. And she wants to be with him regardless of whether or not he has money and to get away from that life, to be with him. Uh, it's such a, you know, it, it's probably the most pivotal one of the most pivotal scenes in the movie now that you mention it, because if we don't have that, then the rest of it all fall, falls flat, right? Like to take out that scene. Yeah. Now, all of a sudden you're right. We don't like her because she just wants to be with him because he's got $20 million. 
um, we we don't know that she would go to the ends of the earth or set or like, you know, possibly like sacrifice her life to do it. And we don't really understand Jamal's uh, motivation either for going on the show. Right. So, so because because, yeah, anyway, I, I, I think it definitely falls flat without that scene. It's super important. Great point there. Super important. My other writing note is I love how in this film, all the white people we meet are rubes. <laughs> like they're just <laughs> idiots. <laughs> I think that's a lovely touch. Um, it, because we run into this, I don't know if they're British or maybe one of them is a Brit. Um, uh, when he's given the tour, um, I think the husband is a Brit and maybe the woman is from somewhere else. Um, but then we run into the Americans later on. Well, we'll show you how we do things in America. <laughs> <laughs> and um, the other thing, yeah, writing wise, I guess it's also a directing note, but the opening shot of Jamal being interrogated. I love that the text pops up and that's kind of a, a that kind of that's a literal, you know, reference to the millionaire game show They're, we're getting you know multiple choices um and so it's kind of putting the audience to the test um but also love that the text pops up out of sync with the music and that just kind of surprised me watching it that it's not synced up to the ticking of that clock that dude dude like it just pops up on its own time and i wonder how that happened i mean i love that decision i think that's the kind of thing that most a lot of other directors especially you know younger directors would want to sync it up to some kind of beat but i feel like danny boyle maybe did one of two things one wanted it to pop up out of sync so that it stands out a little bit stronger popping up in sync i think it loses a little bit of punch um oddly enough the other thing is i wonder if maybe he was reading it aloud and doing it dramatically like a game host would do and just let the chips fall where they may. Um, right. Um, you know, Jamal is about to answer the $20 million questions. Is it a, da, 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 da. Is it B right? I think it's a performative thing too, of like, how do I think this would be performed? Let's time it according to that and ignore, you know, uh, the sonic implications of that being out of sync with what's happening. Yeah. I, that just fascinated me because that is very much not the kind of thing that you would normally see um, with text popping up on screen. Yeah, my my last note or thought, I don't even know, conversation is the fact that this movie got made at all and got released on screens is really interesting. And this goes back to what I said at the top, which is we'll be talking about the gift and curse of winning an Oscar. For one, this movie getting made is really a you know amazing because Danny Boyle had to have a really strong conviction about the story in order to go make a film in India mostly subtitled like the vast majority of this film is subtitled that's why I couldn't play like a really great clip it's because all the best clips are you know in Hindi <laughs> um and and with unknown actors like the the, for me, the most well-known actor in this film is Irfan Khan, uh, the police inspector. Um, and I think this was probably my introduction to him. Probably. Like, I'd seen him in one or two other films, but I didn't know him as Irfan Khan until this movie. Um, and then became just a massive fan of his. Uh, but to say, yeah, you know, give me whatever it was, 10 or $20 million. I don't know what the budget was. It's probably not a $40, $50 million film. Um, and to say, yeah, let's, let's go make this movie. And then 
to do it at all is nuts. But then the, uh, to get a wide release, this almost went direct to video. Wow. This was a hair away from going direct to video because Warner Brothers sold off uh, or closed down the branch, this independent film branch that this was made under. Um, and they were like, just basically going to cash out and just, you know, whatever, let's just, uh, expunge all these films. And they opened it up to, 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 you know, co-distributing or something. And I want to, I've already forgotten, but I think Fox searchlight came along and said, Oh, we'll, we'll distribute. And this was like the only film I think that got picked up for theatrical distribution of all the films that were getting shut down. And and so it, it played on a few screens, then it played on a few more. I went to see it in in, in a theater opening opening day. I, I dragged my friend Juwan, who has an Emmy. He's like a Emmy award winning producer. Um, he wasn't at the time, but you know, I I say that to point out he's a film buff. He's a film guy, um, and he didn't know anything about this film. He was like, all right, whatever. Wes wants to go see a film. Well, you know, I'll roll with Wes. Um, we went and there's probably like five people in the theater. I mean, it was not a very packed out theater and that was the life of this movie. It was, man, this walking out, we were both like, you know, whatever, high-fiving each other, not literally, but you know, we were just really excited about it. Man, that was great. It was great. And then I just started dragging people to the theater because I was like, you got to see this movie. And so I dragged my, I probably saw this five times in theater, just trying to drag people to go see it. Wow. No kidding. And because I was like, this is such a good movie. No one's going to watch it because it's full of a bunch of Indian actors. No one's heard of, um, in subtitles. And so I'd grab my mom, like, mom, let's go watch this movie. And my mom is the last person that she hates reading. She, I don't think she's ever read an entire book in her life. Wow. She does not like reading. And so I drag her to the theater, like mom, just shut up. Trust me. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll do your right. And so we go and she's walking out crying. Now she's dragging people to the theater to go watch it. Whoa. Absolutely. Um, and then those people are like doing the dance at the end. The, the dance number at the end is so amazing. It's so good. And it's just a little hint at, you know, Bollywood. And people, I they she bought the movie and then she was watching it with, you know, with uh, her, her stepdaughter. And they're all trying to do the dance together. Like it just became this very point of love for so many people. And I just kept doing that. I kept dragging people to the theater to go watch this thing until it wins an Oscar. And that changed everything. Suddenly, theaters are packed. It's re-released. And now the theaters are packed. Like, what is this movie? And then once you do that, everyone's talking about it. And then it becomes this big cultural phenomenon. And that's the gift of winning an Oscar. And I think that's the importance of the Oscars is to curate for people who aren't aware of what good films are out there. Because otherwise, people never know about this. People never know about Moonlight. Like, there's so many films that, you know, people get introduced to because of the Oscars. And that's why I get so bent out of shape whenever I see films that aren't worthy of being an Oscar nomination getting nominated. I'm like, ah, y'all are are doing a, a, a PR tour now. This isn't about you know, the quality of the film, because so often they do a great job of, of nominating and, and rewarding films like Slumdog Millionaire. But then there's also the curse of it because something like this wins a, an Oscar and then all the world is aware of it. You know, people in India probably 
go from like, I don't understand why nobody's watching Slumdog Millionaire. Like it's everything y'all say y'all want. And then everyone starts watching and it's like, oh, this is not a good representation yeah. Of, yeah. of India. Like it's, it's a gift and a curse because it, I believe deeply in my heart. If it never wins an Oscar and it never becomes this mainstream success, a lot of people in India are like, yeah, it's a good movie because the story is good and it's really interesting. And it's, you know, uh, storytelling, the approach the style. It's like, ah, oh, see, People, you know, I don't know why people would just never give Indian films a chance, even though it's not really an Indian film. I think it lives on this other plane of existence of it just got a bad beat, just got a bad rap, um, along with so many other Indian films, PK, whatever, you know, so many films. I, I have one I'll recommend, The White Tiger, you know, being another similar one. Um, great film. I'm glad he brought that one up. I forgot about that film and it's such a good movie. Um, but I just think, you know, there's a gift and a curse of having that much attention, that much acclaim being heaped onto one movie. That's about some completely, you know, foreign culture to Western audiences. Um, there's good and bad. Um, hopefully, uh, my hope and it's a, it's a dim one. My hope is that people watch it with the understanding that it's a movie. You're watching a movie, not real life. It's not a doc. It's not a documentary. Um, yeah. And hopefully, you know, most audiences, obviously not all, because that's not the world we live in, but hopefully most audiences walk in and say, oh man, that was such a good story and leave it at that, you know, and just appreciate it for that, for a really emotional and, and interesting Dickensian kind of story. And yeah, I think... uh I think that's all I got. I don't know. What's, what do you got in response no, to all that? <laughs> I got nothing to add. I think that, I think that we've already said everything. Yeah. yeah. It almost went direct to video. That's crazy. This movie that won a best picture, that should really help highlight the thin razor's edge of making art. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That this movie that w had so much potential in it, uh, could have went direct to video. Uh, how many films are getting released that have Oscar potential that because they just never found the right audience, never saw it, never saw that potential realized. Um, and that could be you, maybe, you know, maybe your film, maybe your story, maybe your album is a Grammy award winning album, Todd, because it just never finds the right audience. You never know how many, uh, this bugs me so much. There's so many songs that become hit songs that I'm like, this isn't a great song. It's only getting plays because of who made it not because of the song itself. I mean, there's plenty of Jay-Z songs that, you know, go, you know, mainstream that I'm like, this is a very mess song, Jay. Like it's it, because it's you, you know, it gets a lot of love, but show me what you got. Like, it's not a great song. It's just, it's a song. It's meant for mainstream pop consumption and that's fine. Um, but it's not the best that Jay-Z has to offer. Um, you know? And so, yeah, I, 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 that just really fascinates me, you know, what, we, and again, I think it's just the importance of our podcast of, uh, awards, you know, to, to highlight and bring out like really interesting films that don't get a lot of, uh, attention. And, and so as much as I love that we cover Marvel films here and there, um, I also love that we cover like little films. Eventually I, I'm really excited to, to look at something like city of God and city of men, um, because, I mean, those are really well known, you know, as far as the indie circuits go, but mainstream, you know, movie goers don't really know about those kind of films. Uh, and 
having city of God win a best picture probably would have done a lot for that industry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Absolutely. So yeah, uh, I think I punched yeah. myself out. <laughs> <laughs> well, you had a lot to say and I, I, I agree. It, great film um loved having Chandra Shish's um yes. insight into into that that was that was awesome to have him on and um and yeah i i uh, you know everything everything has some kind of audience it's just a matter of can you reach that can you identify what that is and then reach them and you know do you have the right team around you to help do that um i mean in this day and age it, you need less of a team um with social media sometimes but sometimes you know, that's not the right route either. So you just got to do what you make, what you feel like you need to make and then, and then put it out there and then let the chips fall what they may. Yeah. My album might win a Grammy, probably not, but it might. And, and that's why I'm making it right. Your films might win an Oscar one day. Like that's why working on them. Like that's the, the whole point of why we do what we do and why you should do what you do and not be scared or apprehensive about doing it just do it unabashedly your way and put your voice and your spin on it and and see what happens it's crazy that this almost went straight to video that's that's crazy man unbelievable yeah what uh what are you gonna recommend this week uh yeah so um this week i'm gonna recommend a new film well it's it's kind of new. I don't. It's new to to Netflix, but I just never saw it when it was in the theater. I'm going to recommend a man called Otto. I watched that recently, and I uh, just thought it was a a beautiful portrayal that uh, Tom Hanks does of an of an older gentleman, um, and the uh, kind of like honorary guy, and um, uh, your impact on other people's lives without you necessarily knowing it. Thought I thought it was beautiful. Uh, so yeah, I'm going to recommend a man called Otto. Nice. I'm going to recommend, there's so many good Indian films that I like. I don't like them all. I don't like Bollywood type stuff uh, normally. We'll see. Um, But like The Namesake was probably my first entry into Indian cinema. Um, And The Lunchbox is is what I'm going to recommend this week, though. Uh, If you're a fan of Irfan Khan or you don't know, like if you've seen whatever Slumdog and Life of Pi, uh, you probably like Irfan Khan. I think he's amazing. He's also amazing in uh, in treatment. But I really love him in the limelight and the lunchbox. It's very small indie film. It's beautiful. And it's just a drama. And it's about a a guy who gets a, a, a lunch delivered that's meant for someone else. And in it, uh, he establishes a relationship through notes and letters uh, with the person who sent it. And it just kind of blossoms and develops from there. It's a really clever film. Um, it's really beautiful and has a lot of uh, heart and thought behind it. Yeah, so I highly recommend it. Uh, I also just highly recommend going down on Irfan Khan. I was so upset when he passed because I was—I really had in my heart I was going to get to work with him. <laughs> oh, bummer. So, yeah, sorry. <laughs> bummer. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, uh, I don't know what to say to that. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> uh, so Spotlight, Artist Spotlight. There was a great artist out of India I got to interview a couple years ago uh, for a project that I'm working on. Um, her name is Kashin or Kashin. I completely forgot how to pronounce it, but in my mind, it's always Kashin. Um, and you can find her on Instagram at Kashin.art. That's K-A-S. 
H-I-N-K-A-S-H-I-N dot art. Um, and I'll link it in the show notes. She's wonderful. She's an artist um, that has a really interesting perspective for an early chunk of her art. Um, she did a lot with like fingers and she was just fascinated with fingers. And so she built a lot of art out of fingers. I think she switched her style recently um, and she still does really interesting uh, work. And uh, yeah, I, I, Highly recommend checking her out um, and stay tuned for next week. Are you good with this? Okay. Well, we'll check out RRR. Um, we didn't want to leave it there as Slumdog being the only representation on our podcast. Uh, so why not check out the smash hit? I have not seen it yet. Um, and so I go in with uh, great trepidation because there there are so many. Three Idiots is another big Indian film. Um, I have mixed uh, feelings on that one, but RR has been just this global phenomenon. And so I'm interested to see why, see if I connect with it. Um, yeah. So stay tuned for that next week. We'll see how it goes. Uh, and if you're enjoying the show, don't forget, drop us a review, leave us a note. Uh, if there's something you want us to talk about, kind of things you find interesting. Um, and if you want to comment on this episode in particular, you can do that at the pestlepodcast.com slash slumdog millionaire. And our quote of the day is Charles Dickens from Great Expectations. Suffering has been stronger than all other teaching and has taught me to understand what your heart used to be. I, yeah, I have been bent and broken, but I hope into a better shape. That's such a, I mean, like such an amazing glass half full positive way of looking at terrible things that happen in your life or difficult things that happen or walls that you have to break through and and I I just love that. I mean, I try to be an optimist as much as possible, sometimes too blind. Sometimes I purposely put blinders on, but I I don't necessarily know why. You know, a lot of times I feel like I do just to get through it, right? Like, because if I'm negative, <clears throat> you know, that doesn't benefit me. It doesn't benefit the people around me. So just try to be positive about everything. But I don't always know why I do that. But this is really wonderful because it kind of gives meaning, meaning to the why of, okay, this bad thing happened to me for a reason. Let's just call it a reason. Because why else? If, it, if there is no reason, then that's just a really shitty thing that happened and I'm just going to whine about it. <clears throat> but if I call it a reason, okay, what can I learn about it? You know, about myself. What can I, how can I respond to this? And how is that, well bending me into something better into something more more resilient into something more positive as an example of something that of of someone who's gone through something difficult and come out better for it on the other side that's really beautiful amazing well said yeah i i also like it in the context of this film i feel like the jamal at the end is not that different from the jamal at the beginning Great point. Everything you went through came to something better, I think. Um, yeah. And and that's that's hard. Yeah. Everything you're everything you're talking about is right on point. Like the ability to like have some layer of protection but also vulnerability um in the face of all these things uh that we experience throughout a life. Like, man, yeah. Uh hopefully, you know, you can have some level of silver lining or optimism that just says okay, this sucks right now, but maybe something good can come out of this. Uh, as Mr. Rogers always said, you know, look, look to the helpers when tragedy strikes. Yeah. 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 
You know, like like the one thing that's difficult, I think, for films to like this to portray is um, and even and even this film is Mm -hmm. it's it's easy to show a story of someone who's gone through, you know, a lot of difficult things and a lot of time Mm -hmm. and and for them to be still be positive and stuff at the at the end. Right. Like it's just that's who they are. That's their character. But to be the person to go through an entire life. I mean, we're not, we're not talking about just like, here's a scene where something bad happens. And then we, we go to him sitting in a chair and, you know, answering questions on who wants to be a millionaire. And then something bad happens. Like we're, we're as a viewer having breaks, Mm. you know, we're seeing him instantly. Now he's older, you know, and then now he's younger. Now he's older, but in real life, it is time. Time is a long time. You know, it yes, it goes by fast, but it also goes very slow. And so to to as a reminder of this, you know, just like and it's easy to read this quote and think, wow, that's that's a beautiful quote. And I, I agree. But like there let's identify the fact that life is a long time and especially it's especially long when bad things happen to you. You know, going through a loss can feel like an eternity before you feel better, it, it, even if it's six months that six months can feel like an eternity could feel like 10 years. So, so just stay the course. You know, I think that that's the the biggest thing that I can take from this as opposed to the, the, the film Mm. is that a film is just a snapshot. You know, it, it can only be two hours long. It can only be two and a half hours long. Right. Whereas your life is years. And so, and it could be years of, of awful, things awful feelings of like wanting to quit and you know it's beautiful to see this character and say wow he never quit that's awesome you know that's that's amazing i want to aspire to that but then to take that into the real world into your real life and and to stay the course for years is uh is a whole nother story so yeah i don't know well said man yeah anyway beautiful uh i loved this episode man i think this is wonderful i love that you love this film i love this film and i think in a way shandra sheesh loves this film too uh he's just careful about absolutely you know yeah um as his own person uh i appreciate him coming on the show appreciate you allowing him to come on the show thank you guys for joining us if there's a a recommendation you'd like to see us do please recommend it Who, who knows we might do it uh, please share us with your friends, review, subscribe. All that stuff really helps. We really appreciate it. And join us next week. We'll be covering RRR. Very much looking forward to hearing what you think about that, Wes. Um, uh, and until then, I'm Todd. I'm Wes. Go watch some movies. Movies.